For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 14 of Believe in Rangers, a New York Rangers podcast presented by Blue York on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus. We've got an awesome show for you today with Adam Kimmelman, the deputy managing editor for NHL.com and the host of the NHL Draft podcast. We talked a lot about the Seattle expansion draft, a lot about the upcoming NHL entry draft. We've got that. We've got a lot more. So let's get into it. It's a hat-trick for Mika Zibanejad! Kako shoots, he scores! Kako, Kako! Let's go Rangers! Let's go Rangers! I know a lot of hockey fans aren't thrilled with the fact that Frank Saravelli yesterday released all the Seattle Kraken picks, or at least most of them. He leaked a lot of them on Twitter throughout the entire day before the expansion draft viewing party happened on ESPN on Wednesday night. But me personally, honestly, after watching the whole viewing party, I didn't think that releasing the players was actually a big deal. And I actually tweeted out last night that I thought, you know, this whole thing and this whole celebration that was on ESPN was all about celebrating the city of Seattle. It wasn't about the actual players. It was more about, you know, the beautiful scenery and, and what we saw on TV and just all the sports legends that were there and everyone getting excited about having a new team in the NHL. I mean, we saw what happened in Las Vegas and, and we've seen Seattle fans before, you know, get behind their teams. Like we've seen it in football, we've seen it in basketball, we've seen it in soccer. So, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that the Seattle Kraken will have an unbelievable fan base next season. And I'm super excited to see, you know, their first game, their first couple games at home because, you know, it's always exciting when you have a new team in the league. And not for nothing, I thought their white jerseys were so sick. A lot of people were tweeting about it, like the logo being too big on the jersey. I didn't mind it, but, man, I love their colors. I think their logo is unreal. I wasn't a huge fan of the Vegas colors when they first came out. I thought it was too much. And Seattle kind of resembles that a little bit, just a different color scheme, but... Man, I, I think these jerseys are awesome. Like seeing Jordan Eberle walk out there in the white jersey, man, I thought they were so fresh. So I'm super excited to see them actually out and playing. Um, I do want to talk about the NHL draft. Also, before we get into the interview with Adam, the New York Rangers right now have the number 16 overall pick in the first round. I'm not going to say who Adam thinks they're going to pick, but a lot of people anticipated they would trade that pick you know, to try to get Jack Eichel or try to get Mark Giordano or a bunch of these trade rumors that were happening on Twitter the last couple of days. It is unfortunate that they haven't made a trade move yet. I mean, we're all expecting it to happen with Pavel Buchnevich most likely. It's awesome that they were able to sign Barclay Goodrow. I think he's a great acquisition for the team. Someone we've been looking for, you know, a gritty, just does everything kind of guy. He can score goals also. He's not the most flashy guy, but, you know, he does the dirty work that, we, that we've been looking for. And, uh, you know, the Rangers open up against the Washington Capitals next season, and we might see Barclay Goodrow go at it with Tom Wilson. Who knows? But I'm very excited for that. I can't think of a better team to open up the season against than the Washington Capitals next year. I do want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Blue York. 
For those that don't know, they're a fan-made brand that makes custom designs, content, and apparel for the blue shirts. I've been rocking their stuff for the last couple months. I love their t-shirts, their sweatshirts, everything they've got on the website. So check it out, iamblueyork.com, and use code Johnny, J-O-N-M-Y, to get 15% off of their website. Check their stuff out. You want to get some cool merch before next season starts. they got a lot of cool stuff for you. So go to the website, iamblueyork.com, and use code Johnny. I do want to get into the interview with Adam, a great analysis of the NHL draft that is happening tonight and tomorrow. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm very excited to be joined by the deputy managing editor for NHL.com and the host of the NHL Draft Class podcast, Adam Kilman. Adam, how's it going? Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. I'm good. I'm good, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. I say thanks for joining us, but it's really just me. So I do. <laughs> I do. Thank you. It's all right. For <laughs> And uh, are you are you on the team today that is not going to watch the expansion draft tonight? We are recording before the actual ESPN expansion draft, but um, all the picks and, and everything was kind of leaked today, and a lot of hockey people are upset with that, so I want to hear your take on it. Well, I, I'm kind of of the mind where I'm not going to believe it until I hear it come out of Ron Francis's mouth or, or apparently off the back of a fish. So I, I'm not sure how all this is going to happen, and I'm excited. You know, I'm going to be able to watch it as a fan tonight. I'm not working, so I can just sort of sit back, put my feet up, kind of enjoy the process. And, and you know, I, I saw names out there who might be, who it could be. I'll, I'll be, I'll believe it when I see it. And, and uh, you know, let, let's see how smart all the experts are. I'm the same way. I'll be watching tonight. I actually wasn't able to watch a couple of years ago when, when Vegas had their expansion draft. So I'm not even quite sure how it actually works. So I'm very curious, but um, you know, as someone who works in the game and we've all seen the success with Vegas in the last, you know, four or five years already that it's been, do you see Seattle being a playoff team this coming year? I feel like there's a lot of high expectations because of what Vegas did a couple of years ago. The bar was set exponentially high by what Vegas did, because if you go back to 2017, Everybody kind of looked at what Vegas had and were like, meh, you know, maybe they'll be good in a couple of years. They've got some decent veterans. They'll be able to trade for futures at the 17-18 trade deadline. Lo and behold, they go on all the way to the Stanley Cup final. It was something that no one saw coming. So to expect or assume Seattle will be able to come close to matching that, I think is foolish. If they're able to put a decent team on the ice and, and I think – for me, it's let's build the fan base there. And, and it's something that we said four years ago when Vegas was coming in. Let's just build the fan base. Let's get people excited. Let's make Las Vegas a hockey town. A little bit of an easier pull with Seattle because they have some, some more history of hockey there between junior hockey. You know, way back 100 years ago, they had, you know, the Pacific Coast League when it was considered a major league. So there's a history of hockey in Seattle. They don't have to quite build all the foundation for it, but let's just get a team in place that fans can get positive about and, and get behind and get excited about and see that there's a future there. So if they can turn that into a playoff team, fantastic. But the fact that they're going to be on the ice, cool new jerseys, cool presentation, just in all the new and novelty of it, it's going to be great. Anything on top of that, you know, playoff contention even would be, would be a highlight. You, you can't, to me, you, you can't compare anything that Seattle is going to do to what Vegas did because it was so unexpected and so, you know, out of the realm of, of, of any sport, really. I mean, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you don't see an expansion team go from nowhere to championship series in one season. It just doesn't happen. So Vegas set the bar way, way high and, and good luck to Seattle for trying to match it. I don't think they're going to be able to, but it's going to be fun to watch. 
There's also a key component that Vegas had that Seattle doesn't have, and that is the fact that every NHL player was so excited to go to Vegas to, to play a hockey game and play against them on the road and like be in Vegas. And I'm sure the players went out the night before and had a good time while they were there. I've never been to Seattle, so I've actually never been to Vegas either, but I've heard way more about Vegas than I've heard about Seattle. So I'm not <laughs> sure if players are going to be going out and having a good time the night before they play the Kraken like they did when they played uh, you know, the, the Golden Knights. Well, look, nothing matches <laughs> Vegas, right? Maybe New, yeah. New York maybe comes close, but nothing matches Las Vegas. So everything's going to pale in comparison. But I've never been to Seattle either. But from everything I've seen, whether it's watching Seahawks games, Mariners games, you know, just stuff around the town, highlights of, of what they have, the Space Needle and, and Pikes Peak Market. And, and you're going to see a lot of it on the expansion draft broadcast tonight, mm-hmm. a lot of highlighting Seattle, the community. It's a cool place. And, and there are guys from the Pacific Northwest who play in the league who are going to be excited to go play there, you know, or guys who were from Vancouver, from that part of Western Canada, who are going to be excited to go out there and play there because their families who, you know, rather than have to fly cross country to see them, if they're in the East, you can just drive down the road to Seattle and see them at Climate Pledge Arena. So it, it's going to be really cool. I think guys are going to be excited to go there. And look, there is something to be said for being part of a first team. And whether that's in Las Vegas, Seattle, Columbus, Minneapolis, Nashville, wherever it is, no one can ever take away from you. You were part of that first team on the ice for the Seattle Kraken. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's going to be cool. And I still think it's very important also, like, especially with hockey, we see it mostly as opposed to other sports as opposed, I'm saying like building within the organization and building through the draft, you know, in the NBA, you see a lot of super teams, but like last night, you know, we're recording on Wednesday, last night, the Bucks won and the Bucks are one of the, you know, very few teams in the last decade that actually, you know, ha- had their draft picks win them a championship. They didn't really, they, they traded for Drew Holiday, but you know, Chris Middleton and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo were drafted by the Bucks and Tampa Bay Lightning, the same thing, Stamkos, Kutrov, all these guys, um, you know, the Palats and the Points and the Johnsons all came through the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. So, you know, to put that kind of pressure on a team like Seattle and even on a team like Vegas, they, Vegas still has to build through their draft also. Like, you know, they've been good, but they haven't gotten their cup yet. And, and you know, they still might be years away. So I think anyone who has the expectation that Seattle will come in and make the playoffs and go on a run in their first like five years, sure, it could happen. But I think it's still very important for teams to build through the draft. And I know you're obviously, you know, a firm believer in that. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I talked to Yarmo Kekalainen, the general manager of Columbus Blue Jackets, a few weeks ago for a story on .com now, and he laid it right out there. He said, if you don't draft, you have no chance. Mm-hmm. You, if you don't draft well, you have no chance of building a winning team because, one, those prospects that you draft are going to be the core of your team, or you're going to take those prospects and use them as trade bait to bring in you know, a finishing touch. Like, you know, Tampa doesn't draft well. They don't have the pieces in place to trade for Blake Coleman, to trade for a Barkley Goudreau you know, to, to trade, to bring in guys to build up, to trade for a Ryan McDonough that, you know, you need those, those prospects that you're able to develop and bring along and, and one to have is affordable, low cost talent for at least a couple of years, but two, even if they don't play for your team, you can use them to turn them into other assets. So that's really going to be incumbent upon Seattle coming in. Vegas hasn't really, Vegas has taken a different approach. They were so good so fast they were able to skip ahead of the draft and development stage to let's find the finishing touches stage. Let's find the, the Mark Stones and Max Pacioretty's, the Alex Petrangelo's. And they, they kind of expended a lot of that young capital that they built up in those first two years to get themselves to a point now where they are Stanley Cup contenders every year. doesn't work for everybody. I'm mm-hmm. confident to say it probably won't work for Seattle. So it's going to be really important who they take coming up here in the draft on Friday and Saturday 
and the 22 draft and the 23 draft and the 24 draft as they continue to build up young players that can become more of what the Seattle Kraken is going to be as the guys they take, you know, tonight in the expansion draft sort of, you know, move on to other places. And this year's draft is different than, you know, most years or, or every other year prior because a lot of players that are being selected in this coming draft right around the corner on Friday and Saturday didn't play this past year. And, you know, the, the major junior CHL didn't really have a season. A lot of colleges weren't able to play. So, you know, these teams are, are picking players that they didn't really get to see have a complete season prior. Do you think that's a huge effect on this year's draft? Yeah, this is going to be, you know, in all the scouts that we've talked to, you know, myself and Mike Morial, who I do the NHL Draft Class podcast with, mm-hmm. you know, they've all been sort of unanimous as saying, I've never watched more video this year than I have in my life. I don't know a lot of these guys, well, I should say, I, they don't know them, but <laughs> there's a lack of familiarity to the same level as they would with other guys in a normal year because the Ontario League didn't play. Some of the guys got lucky enough to go play in Europe, a guy like Brant Clark from Barry and the uh, uh, got to go play in Slovakia. Um, Mason McTavish got to go play in Switzerland. Um, Brennan Othman got to go play in Switzerland. You know, guys got guys were able to find places to play here and there, but it was really hard. So then you had to go kind of hunt and pay, hunt and peck to find games of these guys playing in these second level, third level leagues in Europe. So it's they're playing professional, you know, but it's not to the professional caliber that we have here in North America but they're playing somewhere. And so many kids in the Ontario league just didn't get a chance to play. You know, the Western league only had 25, 26 games. They started in February, the Quebec league, you know, was able to play between 20 and 40 teams, depending, you know, what areas of Quebec and the Maritimes you were in while, you know, the NCAA played varying levels of numbers of games, you know, the Ivy league teams, the Harvards and the Princeton's and the Yale's, they didn't play at all Mm -hmm. versus a team like Michigan, which played 30 games and then couldn't go to the NCAA tournament because of COVID. The USHL was able to play. So there is, you know, the varying European leagues had varying amounts of, of time that they were able to play. So it's real hit or miss. You know, you, there were restrictions on travel, restrictions on who could go in the rink for scouts. So it, it's going to be as unpredictable. This is, I've been covering the draft pretty nonstop since uh, I got to the NHL in 2008. So um, this is the least predictable of what's always a very unpredictable experience. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really fun to see what happens on Friday night and into Saturday. Yeah, the NHL draft is always an exciting time of year. Um, you know, there's nothing cooler than seeing, you know, young hockey players get their dream come true and being drafted to an NHL team. But something that I'm really curious about to get your opinion on and um, something I've touched a little bit on on this podcast, I actually ran into Pat LaFontaine once on the train in New York City, and I happened to play with Pat's son, Danny, growing up, and I played for Pat's brother in juniors. And Pat told me that the NHL had talked about um, moving the draft age up to 19 similar to what the NBA does. I know I've referenced the NBA prior because I'm a big basketball fan also, but um, do you think that would be something that the NHL might do in the near future? Because I do think like, you know, certain guys like Jack Hughes and Austin Matthews who were drafted at 18 that, you know, didn't step into college and kind of went into the NHL right away. It can only make the college hockey product better and the junior, the junior hockey product better and then allow them to have that extra year of development before stepping into the NHL because let's face it, 18 year old kids, you know, at least most of them are not built for the NHL. You know, there, there are the select few, but I think we'd see a better product maybe if, you know, players were drafted at 19. It's, it's an interesting discussion point. It really is because you're right. There are guys who were drafted that at age 18 are 100% not ready for the NHL. Some of whom we've seen play in the league that clearly weren't ready, but because of where they were drafted or what team drafted them, they were needed in the NHL and, 
you know, in a lot of cases, it maybe harmed their growth. Mm-hmm. A lot. Then there's guys like Connor McDavid, who at 18 was ready to jump into the NHL. Austin Matthews, who you mentioned, you know, an 18-year-old Sidney Crosby was more than ready to be right into the NHL. Would another year of junior hockey help them? Debatable. Would another year of college hockey? I think college hockey is a little bit different because as an 18-year-old in college hockey, you're on the very low end of the age spectrum. Whereas an 18-year-old in the Canadian Hockey League, you're in the upper level. So what's an 18-year-old Connor McDavid going to gain from playing against 16 and 17-year-olds? Nothing but bad habits. What's an 18-year-old Owen Power, say, get from playing a second season at college? A lot, because he's still only going to be 19 years old when that season starts, and he's going to have time to – you know, it's a weekend league, so you have four days a week to get in the gym and get stronger physically off the ice – work on your skills on the ice. So I think it's really different for every guy. It's hard for me to say 18 versus 19. I think the NHL teams might like it because there's nothing they like more than one more year of of watching and studying and learning and developing. But at the same time, I remember um, back in 2009 when John Tavares was going through the draft, you got to remember he came into the Ontario League as a Mm 15-year-old and scouts, you know, after four years of watching him, we're like, oh, his skating's an issue. This is an issue. And I had a, a, a guy I really respect come to me and say, look, you can watch these guys until you're blue in the face and start picking apart little flaws because at a certain point, that's all you see are the minuscule flaws. Nobody was not taking John Tavares because maybe his skating was a smidge off. You see what happened with John Tavares, what kind of career he's had for being, you know, a quote unquote, maybe not a great skater. His skating's pretty good. And, mm-hmm. and, and he's done pretty well with, with the Islanders in Toronto. So you know, it's it's hard to say. There's pluses and minuses to each, making it a 19-year-old versus making an 18-year-old. But I think there's you're going to have – you're always going to have kids who look ready at 18 to play in the NHL, and you're always going to have kids at 18, the majority of them, who aren't ready. And they won't play in the NHL because they're obviously not ready. And maybe the handful of kids who get pushed in a little bit sooner, it would help them a little bit. But – I think that's a really interesting discussion point that I know people far above my pay grade are going to have. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 remember, I remember the first time I heard it and I was like, you know, wow, that's very interesting because, you know, like I said, I watch a guy like, you know, Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett at Duke and, and how dominant they were in college. And then they were able to get drafted, you know? So like, it was just an interesting perspective to hear because, you know, obviously I grew up playing the game and I know a lot of kids who were drafted and then went to college and, and maybe didn't even pan out. So like, you know, for, uh, you know, a hockey scout to actually see the success in college and see it at that level before drafting, it could be like a huge advantage. But, um, you know, I, I'm I'm way below the most below pay grade. So, I, you know, I don't know if anyone would listen to me, but um, I actually do work with everything college hockey. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, no. Social media page. We have a podcast as well. Okay. Um, and it's very cool that I think three Michigan players are, you know, supposed to go in the top 10 of the draft. Um, so, you know, for you as someone who covers the draft, is that very cool to see like, you know, the American hockey product, you know, way far in advance now than it was maybe 10 years ago? Absolutely. I, I think NCAA hockey, it's been a very slow climb, but it has been a climb to where it is a viable route to the NHL. It used to be, you know, when I first started covering the draft, it was like, oh, he's going to college and you would sort of not look down on them when they, you know, a player choosing college versus choosing the major junior Canadian hockey league route. But now it's like, okay, now I understand why you're making that decision because it does work for guys. It it does give guys more of a chance to develop more of a chance to, to fine tune their skills, 
to work on their bodies off the ice. You know, you, you see guys at 18, they're, you know, 150, 160 pounds. They're probably not where they're going to be physically, but they come out of college three years later, you know, they're, they're men, they're 180 pounds, they're 190 pounds. They, they, they've grown into their strength. They've grown into their bodies. And it's an opportunity that you have at college that you don't generally get in the CHL because the Ontario league, you're playing 68 to 72 games with crazy travel, you know, Western league, you're playing, you know, the same thing, 68 to 70 games with 18 hour bus rides, you know, the Quebec league, you just, you don't have that time off the ice to work on your skills. Yes. You're getting gameplay. And, and that's really where you are judged on how you do in games, but there is something to be said for taking that slower, more focused development route that I think really helps guys. And, you know, look, you, you can look at the numbers, you can look at the statistics and see guys who have chosen that college route to get guys who are drafted out of a college system making the NHL versus guys drafted out of major junior making the NHL. The numbers are getting closer to being even. I don't know if they'll, they'll ever be even, but they're getting a lot closer to being even. So yeah, the, the more NCAA hockey that we see and the more top end guys choosing NCAA hockey, I think it's a good thing. And Owen Power is a, a great example of that. He's a guy who obviously could have played in the Ontario league. He's certainly talented enough, but you know, he decided to take the USHL route for a year and then go to Michigan. And now he's going to play, you know, either he's going to play one year, he's going to play two years at Michigan. So he's a number one pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. Tells you pretty much all you need to know about the viability of college hockey. If you're a good player, you will succeed no matter what level you're at. But to see more good players, and Kent Johnson is another one. He could have absolutely been a star in the Western Hockey League. He opted to go to the Michigan also, and he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. Would he have been a top 10 pick had he gone to the Western League? Probably. But you don't know because the competition's different. He goes to Michigan. He gets the chance to, you know, hone his skills, get stronger in the gym because he's not playing 72 games. He's only playing 30 games. It's a huge difference there. So, yeah, the, the college route for, for some guys, it's going to work better, but it's definitely a quality route that you can take to the NHL. Mm -hmm. And since we are a Rangers podcast, who do you anticipate the Rangers will take with a number 16 pick this year? Well, in our mock draft on .com, I had them taking Brennan Othman from um, uh, Kitchener and the, I'm sorry, from Flint in the Ontario hockey league. Just, mm -hmm. you know, there was, I know they need help through the middle. I understand that, but you look at him and I see a guy who brings that gritty skill that the Rangers really need. You know, they have a lot of really talented young forwards, the Lafreniere and the Kakos and the Kravtsov. They need somebody who can, who can play physical and open up space for them. Guy, you know, Brendan Lemieux kind of did that a little bit, but not to the skill level that a Brendan Hoffman has shown in his junior year, in his junior play. And also going over to Europe, he was able to do it, you know, against grown men in, in the Swiss League this year. So, you know, he reminds me a little bit of a Tyler Sagan where he's gritty and, and he's getting on the forecheck and he'll play physical, but he's got a great release, a good shot. You know, he skates well. He's a really good forechecker. Um, not afraid to play physical. And, you know, you watch him play in the Swiss league. He played that same style, you know, with Olton that he did with Flint. So he's able to do it against, you know, guys in their twenties and thirties versus guys who are teenagers or his own age. He had a really good un world under 18s as well. I, I understand that the Rangers need center help, but to me, you get a guy like Offman, he opens up room for everybody else on the ice and you can address that center depth at another position, another time in the draft. But 
to me, he, he stood out as, as the guy for them. And you're a Flyers fan, right? From what I've heard. Well, I, I live in Philadelphia and, and uh-huh. just, you know, by virtue of geography, I've covered them the most and I've written a couple of books on them, but um, yeah, I, you know, you kind of check your fandom at the door a little bit, but um, they're the team I see the most. Well, actually, I did see that you wrote three books. Uh, can you talk about those a little bit? Yep. Yeah. Um, the first one's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, The History of the Flyers. A much longer subtitle to that. I don't even remember all of it. <laughs> but it's basically all the all the facets of the, of the organization through a number of different prisms. And you've got the good, like, you know, the championship years, the Broad Street Bullies, you know, the team that won, 30, that won 35 straight games without a loss, you know, the team in, in 87 that was the youngest in the league and got to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, the, the, the good part of the Lindros days, which the Lindros era was an entire other chapter to itself. And then there was, you know, there's bad and then there's there's ugly, you know, moments like the Pelly Lindbergh tragedy. Um, and then I did 100 things every Flyers fan should know and do before they die. And <laughs> there's little there's interesting little nuggets in there. And, and every it's very short, digestible little bits about the history of the organization throughout. You know, I mean, you look at the expansion team, this, the, the expansion six the Flyers are by far, by far the most successful. I know the Penguins have won more Stanley Cups, but you know, with the Penguins, it's been more of that roller coaster where they've had some some great years with Mario and some great years with, with Crosby and Malkin now. But the years in between, when it got bad, it got really, really bad for the Penguins. The Flyers have never really had that outside of the one season in, in 06, 07, when they were the worst team in the league. They've never really had that sustained period where they're just the dregs of the league, bottom of the standings every year. Under Ed Snyder's ownership, Bobby Clark is the general manager for most of that time. They were always competitive. They always, you know, were big players in free agency. They are always a team that was very Stanley Cup focused. Unfortunately, they never got there. They still haven't gotten there since 75, but they're a team that's always been really, really close to either being a playoff contender or be a championship contender. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good history with the franchise. Unless they're planning to make us a Benajad, though, right? Well, that <laughs> this season this, this season was um, very very different, and they've sort of gone out, you know, with the acquisition of Ryan Ellis, sort of addressing and changing some of those issues that they had. They never really replaced Matt Niskanen as that right shot, top pair defenseman, veteran, experienced guy, and um, it really hurt them last year because they never were able to find that coherence in the defense pairs you know Elaine Vigneault likes to experiment likes to try different things but once he finds something he likes he likes to stick with it I don't think he ever found something he liked long to stick with long enough among among those defense pairs you know he tried Phil Myers there he tried Justin Braun there with with Ivan Provorov he tried Travis Sanheim nothing seemed to work and the result was those eight nothing nine one seven (laughs) one disasters that they had not just against the Rangers there there were a couple of of, of clunkers there. And, and that also sort of had a trickle down on the goaltending, which mm. wasn't very good. Carter Hart did not have a good year. You know, there was some effect on the forwards because they had difficulty getting the puck where they needed to get it at the time they needed to get it to be productive offensively, or they were worried about getting back and trying to defend and trying to, to help the defenseman. So it really just, everything was out of whack. I, I think having a guy like Ryan Ellis to play on that top pair good puck mover, good skater, veteran experience. He's going to help them in all different areas of the game. And then you can slot out your defense pairs a little bit more coherently behind them. So I I think they're going to be in really good shape 
at least in that phase of the game moving forward. So let me ask you this. Who wins the cup first, the Rangers or the Flyers? Whew, that's a good question. Um, and maybe we'll make a friendly bet on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's going to come down to which goalie stays healthy. Can Shesterkin stay healthy and be that guy for 60 games? Because I think he certainly has the talent. And I like mm-hmm. what the Rangers have built around him, you know, getting Adam Fox and, and having building that defense core. I, I really like Keandre Miller and Ryan Lindgren and, and Jacob Truba and, and Adam Fox, that top four there. It's really impressive. If Shesterkin can stay healthy and be consistent, I think they're going to be in really good shape for the Flyers. It's, you know, is the real Carter Hart, the guy you saw two years ago, you know, or or two years ago with the back-to-back shutouts in the playoffs and the guy who really at times looked dominant, or was he the guy this past season who, you know, there were holes in his game. If he can get back to being the guy that he was, look, pre-pause, the Flyers were a point out of first place in, in the Metro. And they looked like a team that was ready to go on a really deep run. They never were able to recapture that moment either in the playoffs last season or at all during the regular season this year. And that's why they ended up where they ended up. So, you know, to say one team's closer than the other, I might have to give a little bit of the edge to the Rangers. I thought they were going to be a playoff wow. team last year. Mm-hmm. I think bringing in Gerard Gallant, it's, it's, it's big. I think he was the best coach available on the market and, and kudos to Chris Drury in his first big move as general manager bringing in the best coach on the open market, not really overthinking the process and, and saying, this is our guy, this is who we want, and then getting him. So they, they have some other issues they need to fill. You know, obviously they need to get a little deeper through the middle, but I think the Rangers are in really good shape if the goaltending plays the way it, it, it's capable of playing. I think the Flyers are very close as well. Maybe the Rangers are, are, are a smidge ahead of them at this point, but it's going to be fun to see, you know, in October when we drop the puck on an 82-game season, normal 82 game season. I'm really looking forward to that. Same here. So before I let you go, where can people find you on social media and find your podcast? Well, NHL draft class is the podcast. We're available free to subscribe and download anywhere. You enjoy your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever you like to go. I am on Twitter at NHL, Adam K and NHL.com NHL.com slash draft is going to have all your stuff for the 2021 NHL draft coming up here on Friday and Saturday. We've got a ton of stories up there already to get you get you in the knowledge, build your knowledge base for the draft as far as top players by position, you know, different look, looking at different teams and what their draft needs could be. You know, I have a nice story on uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and then what they can do with three first round picks. And, um, you know, my colleague Mike Morial has position by position top tens and, and team needs. You know, we have our mock draft up there. You know, you can read about the mock draft. You can listen to it on our podcast. So there's a lot to look for there if you want to build your knowledge base for the for the 2021 draft. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we'll get you back on soon when the Rangers play the Flyers in the playoffs next year, if it happens. <laughs> but, uh, no, thank you so much. I appreciate My it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. I want to thank Adam Kimmelman once again for joining the show and previewing the NHL draft that's happening tonight. And if he's correct, the Rangers, you know, might pick Brennan Othman. I watched some of his highlights. He looks like a good young player. Definitely a guy that can come in and, and you know, make a difference for the Rangers up the middle. They've been looking for some centers and, uh, you know, definitely a spot that can be filled. Maybe not this year because the 16th pick, you know, usually doesn't play right away. But hopefully in a couple of years down the road, we'll be seeing Brennan Othman in a Rangers jersey. That'd be pretty cool if Adam predicted that correctly. I don't got much else for this episode. I hope you guys enjoy the draft tonight and tomorrow night. 
Um, you know, feel free to tweet at me what you think of the picks. You can find me on Twitter at jlazzy23, J-L-A-L-A-Z-Z-Y 23. Or you can follow the show, Believe in Rangers, B-L-E-A-V-I-N Rangers, on Twitter, on Instagram. And you can even send us an email if you want to, you know, give a question or, you know, touch on a topic that you'd like to discuss. I'm, I'm always very responsive, so send an email to believeinrangers at gmail.com. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.